listeners. I'm standing in a forest in Suffolk, listening to a nightingale. So I thought I'd share it with you. I mean, come on, that's amazing, right? This is Joe Davis, live for the Midfaith Crisis podcast in Dunwich Common, Suffolk. I don't remember the elephants, to be honest. <laughs> well, they're definitely there. They're on the recording. You're so childish. <laughs> Pathetic. Just I don't know what you're meaning. I have just because you with it. do the editing. Honestly, <laughs> this is what I have to put up with, listeners. Do the intro. All right. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, hello, everybody. Welcome <laughs> to episode 190. What is it? 198. Yes, as as per the top of the running order. Yeah, I was too pleased with myself for editing the <laughs> lovely... Oh. That was a lovely nightingale. Oh, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah incredible. Beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. Anyway, um, back to the intro. Uh, welcome, everybody, to episode 198 of the Mid-Faith Crisis podcast. Mm-hmm. My name is Nick Page, is. and there's Joe Davis. Hello. Just back from <laughs> Safari on the Velt. Indeed, <laughs> yes. What a wonderful place, though. Fabulous. Mm. Mm. I didn't know you were going there. You didn't tell me. You didn't invite me. Well, I, I still owe you a 60th birthday present. Um, so I, I felt bad because I need to take you there. <laughs> You're just saying that to remind people that I'm 60. You don't. You, I, I'm going to remind people you're very nearly 61, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> a, a week on Sunday? Something like that. I yeah, believe. all right. Let's not give out personal details no, over okay. the podcast. There's just no. no need for that. Yeah, someone bought us a present. Lovely Steve bought us a book. It was very funny and very amusing. Thank you very much, Steve. I'll say no more about it at this point. <laughs> but he thought we'd like Thank it. Thank you very much. Seems to be a book full of innuendo, I'm sorry to say. No. <laughs> I'm shocked. Shocked you I don't hear? know why he thought we'd like it. <laughs> no. Um, and talking of giving, I think we should... Uh... We should thank people because we've had some lovely gifts in. Oh, uh, we have. Thank you so much. Listen, I always don't you always. I mean, I think the only person who feels more awkward than me about giving is you. Yeah, <laughs> it's probably true. So, so here's the deal. Uh, it does cost us to do this. Hosting costs, it turns out, um, mm. for web for podcasts and stuff. And ongoing costs, plus our time and all the rest of it. Anyway, so what a few of you lovely people do is you give us a little gift, um, either one-off or, or a little regular amount. And that is so, so helpful to us. And I know in a world of need, this this is probably the least important thing in the world to give to. But we're so grateful to those that do give us a bit um, towards the costs and just, just, just helping now, quite honestly, to pay a bit bit of our time so thank you so much everyone it is absolutely brilliant and if you have been meaning to give but perhaps haven't got around to it yet you could just go to our um our website and click on the link and you can make a one-off donation if you feel so inclined or you can um make a monthly donation 
or you could stop giving altogether and give to many other worthy courses. <laughs> We're just so <laughs> grateful to those that still give the thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. That's uh, it's, it's very kind of you. It, it means a lot. And to everybody who contributes in all kinds of ways to, to the mm. podcast, that's great. And we are rubbish at this, aren't we? Because, I mean, I think proper podcasts, they they do this sort of thing where if you give a certain amount, you get access to, you know, some some groovy extra stuff and then if you give a lot you get real access and if you get a real lot nick and i will come around and massage you and all the rest of it but (laughs) we just have to pay us to stop (laughs) yeah so we we haven't as such got ourselves organized to do that but you know big or small we're just extremely grateful well i think the fact is actually on on that we don't want to get too sort of behind the scenes here but we always thought actually we wanted to keep this free and we wanted to keep it mm. you know entirely free for everybody yes, so there wasn't exactly. any sort of hidden perks or no you know, there wasn't like club class <laughs> no there. exactly so uh you know um it, it, it is very kind of you who, who people who give and and everyone as i said who supports the podcast in all kinds of ways uh recommending it to others or you know uh, yeah. sending emails uh, so great so thank you very much for that uh Ooh. yes well that's got that embarrassing bit out of the way um so <laughs> moving on uh, how yeah, are exactly. you i've got good i've been to mincemere so i hear yes yes and seen herds of wildebeest and elephants gathering mm. around the water holes yeah that no, was great uh i oh, do you want to turn that off honestly that is so unprofessional i don't know what did that that's, that's very annoying that's just this is what I have to put up with, listeners. Nick Page. He gives me a hard time. If I so much as breathe heavily near a microphone, or if a car on the A27 30 miles away is a bit noisy, but, oh, no, his dog can bark and he can have alerts. No, that's how it works in this relationship. Honestly, I just don't think you respect me anymore. Well, I didn't respect you to start with, so I mean, there's no change there. <laughs> that's a fair point. <laughs> Anyway, on the subject of how am I, I went to see Dave Steele. That's what I was trying to tell you. Dear Dave Steele, who we're going to be um, doing some stuff with around mid-faith crisis and leadership. And, uh, well, to cut a long story short, it was his birthday. We went to see Alan Partridge together. <laughs> so that was very funny. Um, more than that, right. went, went to see Downton Abbey. Absolute load of tosh, but equally glorious. <laughs> <laughs> it really uh, was. You know, I've never seen an episode of Downton Abbey. I don't oh, have you anything not? about it at all. It's great. No. Maggie Smith makes the whole thing worthwhile. It's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, they're absolutely crazy. Anyway, so that's, yeah, all is well, really. Good. Um, how are you? What's going on? Well, I, you know, I've been out as well. I've been out really? into the wide world. Um, <laughs> I went to see Doctor Strange yesterday. Oh, did you? How is he? Mm. He's fine. Took my blood pressure. Uh, Good. <laughs> magically assessed me in a variety of ways. Is this what you call your friend Steve now? <laughs> Since he's beaten you. <laughs> yeah. 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 He's very strange. No, is it good? Well, yeah, it's all right. Yes, yeah, it's, it's good. It's got some good set pieces. It's, yeah, um, it's all right. I'm going to see it on Monday. Yeah. I hope you didn't pay more than £3.50 for it. That's all I'm saying. Well, I, I'm afraid I did because I don't live in the 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 town of the cheap um, cinema like you. Such a pity. I know. Well, just because quite a lot of people in my where I live haven't retired. That's why. That's why we don't. Rude. Get cheap don't places. don't listen to him, listeners. Um, listen to him, what he's talking about. Went to see about. the yes. Divine Comedy. Went to a gig. Oh, did you? Mm. Wow. Uh, Divine Comedy. For those of you who don't know, 
bad. Well, it's one bloke really. It's a guy called Neil Hannon. Yeah. yeah. Uh, fantastic. Yeah, I went to see that. That was great. Oh, uh, very good. On Sunday. Um, and um, I'm I'm about to go narrow boating. Oh, are you? Yes, I'm about to embark on the high seas. Who, with, and where, and why? Uh, with my brother and sister-in-law and a couple of other friends. And uh, I've never stayed on a narrowboat before. I've been on one. Mm. I've never stayed on one before, so that'll be interesting. Experience. Well, it's the other people I feel sorry for. <laughs> I know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, oh, and a couple of things, a couple of television programmes that I think uh, I okay. really liked. One was... Um, now, I'm not a massive fan of dance. I have a bit of a blind spot about dance, you know, ballet and, and all Oh, that. OK. I thought you said darts. I beg your pardon. 180. <laughs> no, dance. No, yes. big fan of darts. Dance. <laughs> OK, um, yeah. You know, it, it, contemporary and all that kind of stuff. I, it doesn't really do. But I, I watched by accident almost, and I found a, a programme called BBC Young Dancer, which is like a okay. dancing competition, but it's on BBC Four. Okay. And it was absolutely astonishing. Was it? Just beautiful. Yeah. And what they do is they they have all kinds of different disciplines. So there was a tap dancer on there. There was contemporary. There was some, you know, uh, urban street dance and all kinds of stuff okay. and ballet. But then at one point they put them together in pairs. And it, it, there was something absolutely so moving about seeing them dancing together. It, mm. it, really wonderful. Can't recommend it enough. Okay. Great. What's it called again? It's called BBC Young Dancer. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes okay, to it. Okay, thanks. And also, um, do you know that series that they did, they've been doing where uh, people go, celebrities go on walking alone. They go walking yes. with a, they're yeah. holding like a selfie stick and they yeah, just record yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. And there was one with Paul Merson the other day. I don't know if you saw that. No, I haven't. But someone else has mentioned this to me and I really want to watch it. Right. So Paul Merson, ex-Arsenal and uh, Middlesbrough footballer. Mm. Was he Middlesbrough? I think he was. I don't know. And England, frankly. But yeah. and But but massive problems with addiction to mm. alcohol and mm. to gambling. Gambling, yeah. And he's on a walk. And um, during it, he goes into a church, um, St Mary's uh, Church in Lastingham. Um mm. Which is a very old church, and I could tell you a bit more about it if you were interested. No, please let's not, don't. Let's not get sidetracked. Uh, and he prays the Serenity Prayer. Does he? Yeah. And Where is that? It's just a tremendous, just a great, a great, a wonderful thing. Mm. You know, he's just walking, he's talking, he's reflecting on his life, and he's realizing things about his life that he's never quite realized. Just in terms of that reflection, and it's almost like seeing a man. Uh, praying in a way, you mm. know. I mean, no, he does pray at one point, but even that—that that conversation that he's having, yeah, with this camera. Maybe we'll we'll come back on that in terms oh, of some brilliant. of the feedback. But it, yeah, I found oh, it really okay. powerful, moving. So those there, yeah, few things there, a few things there. Now, yeah. I wanted to ask you, mm. how's the vote going about me on social media? Well, I'll tell you, uh, not that well because it turns out. You can't do a poll on our page. You have to be a group to do a poll, oh, not a page. Okay. And so I couldn't do it, sadly. Oh, okay. oh, I know. Shame. I know that's Facebook for you. But um, but we did have um, two responses. Um, one said uh, they both were called "What should Nick do?" Yeah. One said "Bless off." That was it. <laughs> <laughs> and the other. It was quite a long reply from Andrew, which just came in, which I was just reading just before. We came on uh, to do this, so uh, that'll go into next week's. But he's oh, got okay. some—he's got some very interesting thoughts on it, actually. So thanks, Andrew. We'll we'll 
follow that up next week. Okay, great. Look forward to that. Mm. Um, there, mm. I did read a post, uh, uh, an article, which I'll put a link in again in the show notes to an article mm. in the Atlantic called uh, "Why the Past Ten Years of American Life Have Been Uniquely Stupid," and oh, really? uh, that's a very good read with a lot of social it? media in that. Okay. <laughs> so, I, I mean, you know, I didn't write it, and I have I have no comment to make. I'm just recording the the title. That's yeah. Okay. Um, for people who don't know, we should perhaps say this. You say you put things in the show notes. How yes. would they access those show notes, please? A number of ways. Thank you, thank Joe, you. for asking this. Mm, thank uh, you. And, and thank thank you. you. No, thank, thank you. Thank you. Mm. Mm. Um, firstly, if they use a podcasting app uh, mm. to, to subscribe, which I re- would recommend on their phones, uh, they should have a, a load of links attached to the, the, the show. Um, okay. Uh, if they look at the description of the show, uh, each individual episode will have links attached. If they can't see that, just go to the website, uh, midfaithcrisis.org, and each episode has its own web page, and all the links are on there as well. Great. Thank you. So those two ways. Or a third way, they could pay me a lot of money, and I will illuminate a scroll. With them. <laughs> uh, a vellum scroll. That's and, a beautiful uh, thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they won't be able to click on that so easily, I have to say. The links... That works so well. <laughs> Great. <laughs> anyway, should we move on? Let's move on to the next very important thing in the running order, which begins two weeks ago. I forgot the second thing. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing. Two weeks ago, yeah. we were talking about, uh, you know, how do we know God loves us? Yes. We were. <laughs> and I forgot the second thing I was going to say. And then at the end of the show, I remembered it and said I would talk about it last week. And what happened? I forgot to talk about it last week. <laughs> so we are so used. To be honest, the moment's gone. I'll be honest. It has. But what I know what it was. It was the kind of idea that actually just your existence. So it was a question that was asked by some. Mm. I can't. I'm sorry. I can't remember who asked it because it's now many eons ago in, <laughs> in my life. Um, it was a question about you know how do we actually know God loves us. Yeah. Uh, and and um, I really believe that it's an act of love that you actually exist in the first place. Because mm. it's so uniquely unlikely that any yes. of us actually exist as we are. If you think about the number yes, of combinations, the number of things yeah. that have to happen that lead to, to me being in existence. I mean, you could say that the mere presence of me in the universe is, an, is a sign that God loves the world, mm. obviously. Mm, and many people do that. You know, uh, you could just say my in your imagination. <laughs> my existence is a sign of divine love, but I think no, everybody's. You know, for you even to exist is so un- astonishingly unlikely. Yeah, you know, yes. I just think yes. that's that's how I look at it. And um, uh, you know, I, I think it's our friend Trevor who says we we are made by love, in love, and for love. Yeah. And um, you know, I, I really do believe that. I don't think it's a particularly convincing argument, but it is one of the things that I I hold to. So there you yeah. go. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. Thank you. I like mm. that. Mm. Well, let's let's move on. And shall we move on to uh, equally weighty topics, I think? Yes, let's. So um, let's get uh, more on the ever controversial topic of music lyrics. Um, <laughs> yeah, here we go. Yeah, so, here we, here's the real point of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, everybody. exactly. So Malk wrote in and said, Dear Joe and Nick, I've enjoyed the recent thoughts about lyrics we are uncomfortable with singing. My particular bugbear is singing about following a lighthouse. 
just makes me want to shout out, no, don't do that. It's a really bad idea. Do you know what happens if you follow a lighthouse? He says, anyway, I've recently found that a way to cope with such moments is to search the lyrics for five letter words to store away for use in the next day's wordle. Works for me. <laughs> just a thought. <laughs> so that's from Malk. Thanks so much for that, Malk. I really enjoyed that. That's good. And yeah. it's good we're redeeming time as well. <laughs> I think there's a number of nautical words uh, or metaphors used in songs that just don't work. I think it's because yes. most songwriters have never been to sea. It could be that. They they just or have never lived or encountered a lighthouse, for example. No, no. And it's very purpose. Yeah. I mean, I always think, you know, over the mountains and the sea, your river flows with love for me. I think I, mm. I don't see how a river flows A, over mountains or B, over the sea. I'm not quite <laughs> sure how that works. And also, how do you hold your anchor within the veil? I don't know that. No, how we don't know. Just sing and keep quiet. All right, fair uh, enough. <laughs> uh, Rhoda, Rhoda, thanks so much. So Rhoda wrote, wrote originally about this whole thing, and she sent us in a picture of a church fundraiser, and it's called Block a Hymn for a Year. And this is a genuine <laughs> thing. People, the highest bidder can select a hymn that will therefore not be sung for a whole year. That what a brilliant idea. Brilliant. Yes, that is brilliant. That is great. Oh, I just need to compile a list now. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much. Well, this obviously... Isn't it funny, actually, in the nearly 200 episodes that we've been doing, the one topic you can rely on always yes. to get people writing in is the words of worship songs. <laughs> yeah. Whatever else fails, people people will be angry about those. OK, so um, Peter, and I can't remember this Peter 5 or 6 or 318, but anyway, Peter uh, wrote in and said uh, about last week's episode, the idea of all moving boulders uphill to capture a sense of the divine certainly struck a chord. And the whole history of religion is, of course, a huge area. But it made me think of the supposed tension between science and religion. Nick Spencer had a piece in Church Times last month in which he pointed out correctly that science progresses precisely because it isn't harmonious, preferring instead a path of ongoing scepticism and dispute. Science is about finding the best explanation we have just now for the way things are. And surely the same is the case for religion, finding the best explanation for why things are the way they are. And so that too should be a process of ongoing scepticism and dispute, of which your podcast is a shining example. More debate and dispute, a little less dogma, perhaps. So thank you for that, uh, Peter. Appreciate that. That's good. Well, isn't that what happens in theology? Isn't that what people argue? I they seem to argue a lot. <laughs> Perhaps it doesn't happen in churches enough. Well, no, I think that's it. It does happen in a very healthy way in colleges. But I don't. I just, I just think in churches we're all expected to believe the same thing in mm. the same way, aren't mm. we? Mm. Uh, because yeah. it's it seems to bring disunity if we don't. But I can see that it is very unsettling for some people. But no, I think we should constantly be debating our ideas about the divine. And I feel that's how preaching started out before it became about preaching dogma. Yeah, I think obviously it was question and answer. There's lots of stuff there. I I, th I think it's about the spaces in which this happens. You know, it's about your expectations. Mm. So if you, if you were to go to a church service or something, maybe there you wouldn't want everybody arguing or everybody, you know, you wouldn't want to be plunged mm. into the middle of a debate. I don't know. You know, some people no. would, some people wouldn't. 
But I think the fact is there aren't the actual spaces where you go with that expectation. At college, yeah. you do obviously expect yeah. that, to have that kind of stuff. So maybe what we need is just those those spaces where, you know, we know this is what it's about, and it's about having this discussion, really. Yeah. Um, that's the problem. Anyway, yeah, great. Mm. Thank you very much. Well, isn't this such a space? Call me old-fashioned. I hope it is. Anyway. Well, I disagree uh, with that. Well, no, I, I want to argue with you about that. Well, uh, do you want the <laughs> hour argument or the half an hour argument? <laughs> I can Which only afford the half an hour. <laughs> right. Claire wrote in and she says, Dear Nick and Joe, I've been enjoying your podcast for a while and I'd love to have written an intelligent and thoughtful response to some of your excellent content. I don't think she's talking to us there, by the way. No, uh, but not. instead, I'm, I'm, I'm seeking your take on two angsty questions I have. So I think we're going to take these one at a time, OK? OK, great, yeah. yeah. Right, so she says, Firstly... I found my faith imploding around the same time I became a parent. Fast forward nearly eight years and I feel much more relaxed about some of my questions and more comfortable living with uncertainty about some things. What I don't know is how to get back some sort of relationship with God. I devour books, podcasts, anything that involves ideas around faith, but I'm still very uncomfortable with prayer. I still have that feeling of talking to an empty room. I know you can't force things, but how do I move on into a faith that involves my heart and not just my mind mm. and that's a great question and one that probably deserves much more than the little answer uh, we're going to um, to give it but um uh well do you want to go or shall i well i think with... it is a great question because i think you know that idea that god is listening to us god is mm. present I think you have to accept, firstly, that it is it is an act of imaginative faith. That's the mm. whole point. You know, mm. faith is an, is an act of the imagination to some extent. People often think that they, they tie up imagination with invention, as if you're mm. inventing something out of the same thing. I don't think it's quite the same thing. Um, in other words, we can imagine, we can think ahead and we can imagine the outcomes of certain scenarios, or we can imagine a plan, or we can imagine uh, what might happen if we do something. So... It, that's not completely inventing it from scratch. That's saying here are some possibilities. So I think I think I would say firstly, yeah, you can use your imagination, mm. and and I think you can use that to think your your way, as it were, into a new way of feeling. Uh, I don't think it ever works the other way. I don't think we sort of, you know, I think you have to train your mind, as it were, yeah. to 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 think about these things. So that that's the first thing I would say. Yeah. And I think there must be well, there are practices which I think feed the 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 faith-based imagination of the Christian. Yeah, I think you're right. And, and for me, certainly, the, you know, my response would be that when when you've got to that stage where words just don't seem to be working or you're feeling like, you know, if you say words, they're just sort of going out into the void, I think the practice of silence, which is much easier said than done when you've got a young kid. I know, I do know that, but... Um, I think that's that's really helpful. It takes the pressure off conversation with God and it's simply being with God. And for me, particularly in creation, whether that's in the garden or whether it's going to the beach, or whether it's out in the countryside, I mean, I, I truly sense something tangible that is difficult to describe, but I, I sense the divine presence in me, not outside of me, but actually in me, Christ in me. Uh, would be that I think the Christian name for that and some kind of intimacy with God that is without the pressure to talk or say words 
Uh, I'm sorry if that sounds wishy-washy. It does sound wishy-washy, I know, but I but that's what I honestly feel. Yeah. What's the role of place in that? You mentioned the garden or outside, or and I know you often cavort up and down on the beach. I do. I like you a too. good cavort. <laughs> Who doesn't? Um, so the role of place seems quite important in that. I think that so. Thing. But it's what you've talked about before that, you know, noticing, really noticing something brings you to the present. And I always think the only place you'll ever experience God is in the present, in this actual moment that we're having now. So I think if you can be attentive to this moment and whether that, you know, one of the ways to do become attentive is to to notice the the creatures around you or the leaves or the flowers or the buds or the you know there's there's a sort of getting lost in this moment and the wonder of that which I think brings us intimately into the presence of God which again I sense what for me happens is there's a sense of I see something of God in this flower but it's resonating with something of God in me Gosh, this sounds wishy-washy. Oh, I've never been able to. Do you know I used to preach in churches and everything once upon a time? <laughs> did you did you talk much about resonating with flowers in those days? Do you know I don't recall that I did. <laughs> well, what are you resonating with there? Beauty, beauty, creation. You know, what, life. What, yeah, one the wonder of yeah. life. The the wonder at the. You know beauty of whatever it is you're noticing hmm. Hmm. interesting i i think there's a number of things i'm silent certainly but i think um attention is great and because attention is kind of um an activity that you can do so to like you say to, to find an object or to go out for a walk and really hmm. look it gives you an activity so it takes away some of the pressure in terms of like, what am i going to do here straight away because you've got a task so I could give you a task and say, well, I often do this when I, in the days when I used to go and do speaking or, you know, workshops mm. and things, you know, send people out to get a leaf or something and just really, really study that thing. Mm. Because I think attention leads to thankfulness, really. It certainly leads to wonder, but it leads to thankfulness that, that, that such things exist in the first mm. place. And if you can yeah. just say thank you, you are, you know, I think communicating with, with, with God. So I think mm. thankfulness is a great... Well, the more I think about it, I think thankfulness is a is such a great starting place for prayer. Mm. Um, and it, so if you can begin by saying thank you. The other thing that I've always found helpful, um, and I know there are different thoughts on this, is a, a conversational prayer. To use my imagination to assume that God is present and listening. Mm. To just work on that assumption. And to talk to him. And this is why what really affected me about that Paul Merson program that I was mm. uh, watching. Because although he was obviously recording stuff for the viewers, um, there was a sense in which he was just talking, talking it out, talking out loud, walking along. Um, so I used to practice quite a lot, just the idea of just conversational prayer, just simply sitting in a room or walk, mm. walking around, talking to God. And one of the one of the tricks with it now is, of course, when you if you're out walking, if you put your headphones in, everybody assumes you're on the phone, so it's, you don't look oh, so you, you don't, don't look, look so, quite so, so crazy. Now. No, oh, that's good, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, clever! I'd forgotten uh, that. 
and and I I always found that helpful. Again, it's it's almost like mm. a role play in a way. You know, it's almost like sort of um, you know deliberately no. sort of acting out a scene. But I think it's you. In my view, you're you're acting out a real scene. Yeah. You know, you're um, you're really working at that. Sorry. And you you've reminded me of a practice I used to do very often that I don't, which is to imagine walking with Jesus. So you so I used to go and sit on the seat and imagine Jesus arriving and sitting next to me. Yeah. And then we go off and walk. And and you could use this kind of creative imaginative exercise. Um. To have that conversation, I, I think so. Don't yeah, let I, Jesus off the hook. Wait till he answers. <laughs> That's great. No, I fun. think so. So I think there's yeah. a few practices, and perhaps people mm. can can offer more ideas about, you know, how do we, how do we enhance that sense of God's presence? How do we help um, uh, people to to understand that sort of God is is there really? Um, yeah. So I don't know how helpful that was, but that, that, those are things that I would say. As you said, questions. there were two questions. There were. Uh, mm. So. Uh, and then Claire's uh, second question is, what is your take on the Great Commission? If Jesus is big on us helping other people to be his disciples, how do you do that without being either a shove it down your throater or being so uncertain and wishy-washy you have nothing to share with them at all? Mm. There, there we are. Mm. Well, could, I, could I start on this one? Please do. Because I, I think I might have mentioned this before. But the Great Commission, what a what a complete load of old tosh that is. <laughs> well done. I, I, so there is no such thing as the Great Commission. Well, just a minute, sir. Matthew twenty-eight nineteen would would have other ideas. I think you'll no, find. no. I think you'll find the heading added in to Matthew twenty-eight nineteen would have other ideas. The Great Commission wasn't even mentioned it's not mentioned until the 17th century that's the the first mm. time it's ever talked about at which point it's talked about by someone and then forgotten about for another a couple of hundred years oh. until suddenly it's rediscovered in the heyday of missionary uh, endeavor now i don't want to um diminish <laughs> you know the importance of it but it's based on it's based on some really false thinking you know the idea that this, firstly the idea that there is such a thing as a great commission because it's it's an added in heading like as is the lord's prayer as is the mm. sermon on the mount they are invented they're not in the mm. original greek okay secondly it's based on the idea that the last thing someone says is the most important yeah well it might be <laughs> or, or it might just be you know oh, i don't know or, it might just Look out for that truck. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> this might not be the most profound thing that they ever said in their life. Okay, fair enough. You know, why is the last thing Jesus said any more important than the first thing Jesus said? <laughs> there is only one point where Jesus said, this is the most important thing. Oh, yes, that's true. And that's to love your neighbour as yourself and to love your, the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and strength and mind. You know, that's... Yeah, exactly. that's that's the only that's the bit. most important yeah that's the yeah. only bit in the gospels which said this is the most important thing so the great commission is a complete myth there isn't a great commission except <laughs> you heard it here all, first folks <laughs> it's all part of the whole thing the great commission is to is certainly you know to make disciples but that's what jesus was banging on about all the time yes it was so uh that would be the end of my i think quite <laughs> 
uh, you know, restrained need... comment. Yes, it was restrained. If you need to lie down now, dear, please <laughs> No, it's go just ahead. it bugs me the whole time. <laughs> yeah, you know. no, I realise that. Well, this is... a. a you know, I I get to pick my own topics of what I speak on. I'm going to a conference later in the year and I'm calling it um, following Jesus when God makes no sense. Because mm. I I think, to answer your question, Claire, following <laughs> Jesus... <laughs> to get back to that. Yeah, just to get back to that yeah. thing. Yeah, no, I'll come back to that, but you, you go... The yeah, following Jesus yeah. is a really smart thing to do. Now, that requires a belief that you think he really is an intelligent, sensible human being who's really got some great advice for you. So I, I think Jesus was all about life and all about life in all its fullness. And he preached about the kingdom. And was, this was his phrase for what an abundant life look like so i think I, I think that we are called to do the good stuff that jesus did and that in that we find life and life in all its fullness so you know jesus didn't call people to make convert to converts or conversion he called people to follow him to mm. make disciples he, jesus never asked anyone to worship him he instructed people to follow him and that meant following his way his teachings and they still make absolute sense. You know, do not worry. So who doesn't want to worry? We, we, you know, don't be anxious. Who doesn't want to be anxious? You know, the, the stuff that Jesus was teaching is as relevant today as it ever was. So I, I think that it's not particularly wishy-washy to still teach the things that Jesus taught. I think we've got ourselves in a bit of a funk because... A bit of a what? A funk. Thank you. Uh, because we, we think, no, we've got to get them converted so they don't go to hell. That's the ultimate aim. Yeah. Whereas I don't see, I don't see Jesus doing that. I see Jesus calling people to life in all its fullness. Yeah. To the life in the kingdom of God. And I think that's still relevant. I just don't think we get need to get so hung up on um, whether people are going to hell or not. There we are. Mm. Uh, yeah, that's really good. I, I. I think you. It's the trouble is we we when we think about evangelism, we always think about speaking, you know. Or we always think mm. about what words are we going to say, what arguments. Apologetics has always mm. been about, you know, what logical arguments can you make for, you know, the validity of the resurrection accounts or something like that. Mm. But I think the thing that always speak speaks loudest is 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 your actions, your work, your your life. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so you can't invite people to a place where you're not already living. You know, you can't invite exactly. people into a place where you aren't, as it were. That's no. a very cumbersome way of saying it. But but so, you know, those practices, the the, the discipleship uh, thing is by its very nature an uh, an invitation to imitate. Yeah. You know, that's that's what it's all and, about. And that actually makes the Great Commission even more scary than we thought. Because all the while it was telling people what to believe, we could have information and we could tell them what to believe and then yeah, they would either assent to it or reject it. Whereas yeah. now, now it's much worse than that. <laughs> <laughs> now they've actually got to see something in you yes, and be yes. curious enough to ask you what it is. Yes. And then you've got to tell them. But not really until. And I think that's, I think that's how it's meant to be. Yeah. It's, it's shocking and scary. But, you know, if you ain't got anything worth giving people... you. Don't give it to them. You know. Well, I think it's it's about the situation, isn't it? I mean, if you if you see someone who really needs to know that mm. God loves them or that they are valued, mm. valued and cherished, mm. you know, it, it 
you wouldn't want to wait until they'd seen something in your life to to do that. No, you maybe could jump, not. You yeah. could say that. Yeah, so I think yeah, there's no, this other point. thing, yeah. you know, which is to go to the other extreme because we've got so distrustful of evangelistic tools, yeah. if I may use that phrase. Um, <laughs> you know, and and who of us hasn't had it? No. Anyway, if we, <laughs> I know exactly. You were going to talk about the evangelistic thrust, weren't you? <laughs> I was. I was. <laughs> I know you so well. We used to so have those well. a lot in the 70s. We did have, we did, until our backs went. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the thing is, we got so distrustful of the words and the yeah. pamphlets and all that kind yeah. of stuff that then there came in this completely false quote, I think, from Francis Assisi, which is, you know, yeah. evangelising everywhere and some preaching everywhere and sometimes use words. I don't think he ever said anything of the sort. No. I think the both go together, but, the, but if the words aren't validated by the life, hmm. then... What's the point? And if you're not inviting people into something that's actually going to change their lives here and now, yeah, I I I don't see what you know. And how, actually, how that works. I have to say, when you see loving community, and whether that's in a conservative evangelical church or when it's in a neighbourhood or, or a group or wherever you find it, when you find a genuinely loving community, it is enormously attractive. It you is, you yeah. do kind of want to be yeah. a part of it. Uh, there's mm. no doubt about it in my mind. So yeah. yeah. No, I agree. I, it's an awesome thing, isn't it? Because as Rowan Williams says, God has given us responsibility for his believability, as yeah. we said before. We're the PR. Yeah. That's a So, you know, that, that is evangelism. <laughs> that is what it's about. It's taking responsibility for God's believability. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think that you're right, actually. I've never really thought about it. The Great Commission in that sense... Not that it exists, obviously, but if it obviously did exist... Obviously it doesn't exist, if it did. Those things become actually <laughs> more demanding. Than I do just... love working with you. I just want to say that. <laughs> it oh, makes well. me laugh. Good. Okay. So, uh, yeah, well, those are two really good, really good questions, I think. Um, and in fact, I, I guess they're sort of linked, aren't they, in a way? Because what we're talking about here in terms of following Jesus... Mm. is you know as you and i understand it um yeah. through the sort of renovare lens is 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 practical uh practical exercise practical things that you can do yeah absolutely that Training. follow that which which is really what we were talking about in the first answer in terms of prayer those are yeah, two in, in of terms the of ways to pray yeah ways yeah. to engage with it yeah no they are fantastic and thank you thank you so much claire claire from new zealand which i didn't say I don't oh, think. Okay. No, Claire from New Zealand. Thank you very much, indeed. Um, we appreciate that. There was there was a whole ton of stuff we were going to say, but we're running out of time, aren't we? Have we, we run out really. of time? And also, I'm I'm off to the high seas, so I. Oh yes, I, of course. I need to go and pack my duffel bag and put on my oil skins <laughs> and pack my harpoon and head off to the canal. And don't forget your prayer stick. Oh, okay. <laughs> I never do. <laughs> anyway <laughs> yes well listen thanks everyone um for being here it feels like you know if there's if there are a lot of you out there sort of struggling to connect that maybe there are some ideas there that we can embrace whether it's the sort of you know really taking those intentional moments of quiet to just be and to and i'd really love to know i'd love to know whether people find that helpful or if they don't if if you thought it's a total waste of time. I sensed absolutely nothing. I'd still like to hear mm. um, from people. Um, but also, if you do, do that, do you understand? Does any of what 
the sort of wiffle waffle that I was going on about resonate with the, you sense this presence that is not just out there but inside I'd love to hear from people about their experiences um, with that particular exercise or maybe one of the imaginative things that you were talking about yeah great uh, yes anything that I think helps you pray helps you feel very strongly the presence of God and uh, yeah and also that whole issue of you know what is evangelism really mm. mean what does that look like and we've talked about it a bit in the past about what it looks like in mid-faith crisis but it, and, and frankly anything you've got to say if you want to just say yeah. it to us we're here for you that's yeah. what i like to think if you believe the great commission actually does exist for example you could write in and let us know what well, jesus actually <laughs> stopped and said now i'm going to give you the great commission. the great commission <laughs> all right write this down write this down right underline this is really great and also while you're writing down my words could you use a different colored pen yes exactly can you make sure this is in red yeah Yeah, and this is the last thing i'm going to say so therefore it is the most important thing (laughs) i suppose the key thing of that is he said and i am with you uh even unto the end of time and that's that's where we hold on to so wherever else you go that is good news isn't it that is that is that's what's living that's what's breathing i think that's why we still take communion to be honest for me, that's the great thing. Here we are. We're still doing this because we know somehow Christ is present with us. Mm. Mm. Great. So uh, thank you very much for listening. And yeah, uh, we will be back uh, in a week's time, I guess. I hope so. If mm. you haven't, you know, gone overboard. <laughs> <laughs> Capsized <laughs> on the canal. <laughs> Bless you, mate. Travelling uh, yeah. mercies. Uh, ahoy, ye landlubber. <laughs>